Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen and I am your host. In this week's episode, we've got a really cool one because we get to bring on Sarah Kerwin, who is our director of marketing here at Wrenchway. And she's really a, a great, really smart person when it comes to marketing. And that's what we talk about in this week's episode. We talk about recruitment marketing and what we have to change as businesses to make sure that we're standing out to the people that we're trying to attract. And so over the course of the episode, we go into pretty great detail around recruitment marketing and, and why there's so many parallels between recruiting and marketing. So a, a really excellent episode for all of you to listen to and one that I think you'll really enjoy. Now, before we get into the podcast itself, I did want to announce the winner of our higher or lower game for last week, and that was Tyler Mefford with a high score of 40. With that, Tyler wins a $100 Amazon gift card, and that gift card is sponsored by Fullbay. Fullbay is an industry-leading software solution for heavy-duty repair shops, and with this cloud-based app, it's loaded with features that will let you leave the shop for a long overdue vacation. The folks over at Full Bay are top quality individuals, really good people, and I'd encourage you to go check out not only their software, but a lot of the content that they put out out at fullbay.com. Lots of really, really good stuff out there. Unfortunately, Tyler did not turn over the Queen of Hearts, so that pot rises yet again to $2,900. We're getting awfully close to $3,000 that we're gonna give away. And if you want a shot at that money, make sure you go out to the Wrenchway app and answer the challenges, play the games, try to win the prize just like Tyler Mefford did for your your crack at turning over the queen of hearts. Being up to $2,900, cards are getting less and less that you can turn over. It's getting likely that somebody's going to turn that over soon. So if you want a shot at it, go out to the Wrenchway app and uh, play the games to, to really try to put your hat in the ring to win that money. But speaking of Wrenchway and the app, one of the things we do at Wrenchway is help technicians find great places to work. If you think your shop is a top shop, we wanna hear from you. Wrenchway Top Shops pages are like resumes for shops. They share all the details technicians want to know before they apply, such as compensation ranges for all levels, photos and videos of the service area, videos of technicians and managers, and really giving that technician that's looking for a job an idea of who they'd be working for and who they'd be working with. Uh, that and many, many more things, right? We talk about facts on work environment, career development, and hiring process, and just so much information to give the technician the ability to do their due diligence on your shop. If you want to attract more technicians to your shop by becoming a Wrenchway Top Shop, visit Wrenchway.com to contact us and learn more. We'll also include a link in the show notes below. I hope you enjoy this week's episode and we'll talk to you next week. On this week's episode of Beyond the Wrench, I have the pleasure of being joined by our Director of Marketing, Sarah Kerwin. How are you today, Sarah? I'm doing well. How are you, Jay? I am fantastic. This has been a long time in the works. We've Sarah is really the mastermind behind all of the marketing that a lot of you see out there, whether it's through social media, general branding, just a, a lot of different hats that you wear here at Wrenchway. And I'm excited to get you on because I think you bring a unique perspective when it comes to marketing and how it relates to recruiting. And that's what we're going to dive into. But we're going to start off like we do with every other guest. And we're going to talk about your background and how you got here today. So let's let's start off. You know, we're, you're obviously the director of marketing. And let's start off with what does that mean? What, what all do you do here at Wrenchway? A little bit of everything. So I've been with the Wrenchway Find a Wrench team for about three years now. And prior to that, I know Jay, you know, you were kind of running the marketing as much as you could and worked a little bit with an outside agency, but really coming on, it was kind of building it from the ground up. It had a good foundation started with what you had built and with what the agency had built, but really it was kind of just building it from the ground up. So it's a little bit of everything. I'm fortunate enough that we have such a great marketing team, sales team, everyone works together really well. So that makes my job a little bit easier, but I mean, we do everything to get out there. We obviously, we 
invest a lot in our website. We do social media, webinars, trade shows, just anything we can kind of do to get out there and get our message out there to tech schools and shops. Yeah, I think I've got a greater appreciation for that director of marketing role than about anybody because trying to handle it on my own prior to prior to all of us getting together was really challenging. I mean, to try and stay and just not from the standpoint of even the physical work, it's the staying on top of everything and how much stuff changes every day. It's just a constant circle of of different stuff that's changing and it's hard to keep up with. Absolutely. Like you said, the hardest part is, you know, coming up with your message and the campaigns and stuff is step one, but the continuous, like continuously getting out there and, you know, it's always promoting your product and service. You don't stop at any point. You always are continuing to get it out there. So it's being consistent um, with what you're doing for sure. So your your background has been marketing forever, right? You, you've been involved with marketing from college on. Yes, correct. So I was... Growing up, I grew up in Wausau, Wisconsin, which is right in central Wisconsin. Shout out Wausau. Shout out Wausau. Love it. (laughs) And, you know, I was never one of those kids who like knew what they wanted to do when they grew up. I was always jealous of those kids who like, oh, I want to be a dentist. And I was always like, I don't know. (laughs) But I was always really good at writing in particular. I always took the higher level classes. I always enjoyed it. And I think a big reason that was, was because I was really shy. Like I was super, super shy. I had a lot of anxiety and I liked with writing that you kind of got to take your time and formulate your thoughts and do the research and kind of get it on paper, how you wanted it to get the message across. So it's something that I always really enjoyed. And I didn't actually go to college for marketing. I almost did, but I ended up taking the communication science and rhetoric route. And the reason I did that is, so I went to UW-Madison. And marketing was in the business school and communications was in the letters and science school. The big difference there, I knew you had to take calculus to be in the business school <laughs> and to do marketing. And that just didn't seem like something that was for me. So I went You wouldn't use calculus and in marketing? No, you know what? And I think I'm doing just fine without it for the marketing. I think you are. I think you are. I think you are. Yeah. So uh, I got my degree in communications and then I've been working in marketing ever since I graduated college in 2009, which was a great time to find a job, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've worked for companies of all sizes. I've worked for the state. I've worked for a radio station. I've worked for big companies, small companies, medium-sized companies. And I just, I love it. Yeah. And it really what brought you to us was a, a merger when my business partner, Mark Wilson, and I came together you were on Mark's team and we we brought everybody together. And that was such an interesting dynamic because I don't think any of us knew how all the personalities would play together and how, you know, the businesses would fit together. But we knew that we had some really talented people on both sides of the fence. And I feel like it integrated fairly seamlessly. It, it seemed like it, everything really worked out well. Absolutely. I think you know, everyone was a little unsure. Like you said, like we didn't know when two companies merge together, you don't really know exactly how it's going to go and if the people are going to get along. And it's funny because now a couple of years later, I mean, my best friends work at Wrenchway or have worked at Wrenchway before, you know, our, I'm very close with our director of sales, Kate, and our director of account management, Matt. And, you know, there's past salespeople and stuff like they're, you guys are my family now. So yeah. it really did integrate very well. It is weird how all that comes together. It just, uh, everything everything came together. But I, I think the cool part was th- that the the team that you had in joining us just dove right in with the automotive space, with the diesel space, with the heavy duty space. And just maybe you didn't know as much about it when you came in, but you all dove headfirst into it and really embraced it. And it was such a such a gratifying thing from my end to see that all of you took it so seriously when you came in. You wanted to learn the industry. You wanted to just kind of ingrain yourself in this business. And, you know, that's not just speaking for you, but for the entire team. Everybody has done such a good job with that. Definitely. And that, I mean, that was my introduction to this industry was working for Finer Wrench. I didn't know anything prior to that. I used to joke with people prior to this job that I don't know anything about cars. I know that some have two doors and some have four. Like that was like <laughs> a joke I would say. Like, But yeah, we, I mean, we dove head first. And I think in order to be a good marketer, you need to dive into the industry. You need to li- live it, breathe it, read the articles, watch the webinars, and just throw yourself into it and talk to the people in order to get to know it. I know 
in those early days of blogging for find a wrench, I would write something. I'd be like, Jay, does this make sense? Like, how do you even word this? Like, is this the right word you'd use? You know, and that's what you need to do in order to learn the industry. Yeah. And I think as you guys came on, we started to learn that recruiting was changing under our feet, right? It was, it was really, you know, I think even with what we had done at find a wrench, it was probably, it was really posting on job boards and, and doing it the traditional way. What we learned was that we had to take a little bit of a different approach to it. And the reason was because it was changing under our feet, right? And, and shops really needed to do a better job at telling their stories and really putting out there who they are, because there's just so many opportunities for technicians that are out there. And that really brings us and segues nicely into our topic of conversation today, which is talking about what role marketing plays in recruiting. And as you've ingrained yourself into this business, you've seen it firsthand. And I I, I think the first question I would start with then is, why do shops need to start thinking about recruiting differently? I mean, the easy answer is, well, how's recruiting going for you now, right? Like, you know, <laughs> if you're doing what you've been doing for five, 10 years, how's that going? Because the shops I talk to and the reason they're talking to us is because it's not going as well as, and there's a few reasons for that. And I, you know, it's no secret. The technician shortage is bad and it's getting yeah. worse. We're seeing less young people enter the industry. The techs that are entering the industry, I think there's some stat out there like 41 or 42% are leaving after the first two years. So something something's going wrong in those first couple of years that is turning them off from the industry and not keeping them working in there. And that's already like, there's not a lot of people entering that we're losing a lot. So we need to do something to keep the techs that we do have and attract more, but also the average age of technicians is up in the 40s now. So more and more techs are retiring and leaving the industry. So I think that's the first important thing and why traditional recruiting methods in order to understand why they aren't working is to understand that first part. Yeah. The second part is because this talent pool is shrinking so much, even the best recruiters in the world are struggling to get the techs. So, I mean, it's just, we need to do something different. And if you look at, or if you think about like traditional recruiting methods, you often think about like job boards and posting ads on job boards. Well, the problem now is job boards are inundated with open tech positions because everyone needs them. So if you search in Chicago or really wherever, you know, automotive technician, diesel technician, whatever on a job board, it's bringing up hundreds of posts. Well, as a job seeker, which it already sucks looking for a job. No one likes it. it. It's not fun. If you bring up hundreds of posts and you look at them, there's like no way to tell the difference of which one is the right one to apply to. It's overwhelming. So they they kind of freeze and they don't know what to do and they don't know the best shops to apply for. And then I think something else that's important to remember is even when we're talking about job boards, the people who are seeing those job ads are active job seekers. The majority of technicians that are out there today are already employed. You know, there are some that are actively looking for new positions and finding something that's a better fit for them. But the majority of them are okay where they're at, but they're also open to new opportunities should something kind of land in their lap. Well, we need to think about recruiting differently in order to attract those people. We need to land in those technicians' lap. Your shop needs to get in front of those technicians so that they can start to see, hey, maybe there are better opportunities out there for me. But if you're just throwing out messages like we're hiring, we need technicians, that's not going to catch their attention. But if they see, hey, wow, look at that cool equipment that shop has, you know, or look at how much fun those technicians are have, like joking around at work and stuff, maybe that's a good place for me. I can picture myself there. So I think it's just... We need to think about recruiting differently. And the hard part is that thinking about attracting those, what we call passive job seekers, the ones that are open to new opportunities, it's more work. (laughs) There's no getting around it. It's harder than, you know, posting a job ad, but it posting job ads isn't working. So we need to put in the work to do it. No. And we, we say it a lot internally, but there is no silver bullet to recruiting. And I think where you come into play is the similarities that, recruiting and marketing have, right? And as as you've really learned that recruiting side, and then now the marketing, you've obviously always known the marketing side, but what similarities are there between the two? Yeah, that's a good question. And something that prior to working for Find a Wrench and Wrenchway that I didn't really see the parallels, but now that I've been 
in it for a while, like I can see it. So for example, like in marketing, you have a product or service in recruiting, you have a job. So these are the things you need to get out there in front of people for both. You have a target market that you're trying to get that product service job in front of in marketing. We have what we call like hot leads. So these are the people who are ready to buy your product and service. And we want all those we want, you know, those are the easiest ones to close the easiest ones to sell, sell to, but there's a small pool of those. In recruiting, those are our active job seekers. You know, those are the people who are looking at the job ads. We wish we could get more of those, but they're limited. So in marketing, what we do, and especially on the B2B side that I'm used to working in, we focus a lot on what we call warm leads. So these are leads who might know there's a problem, but they are, you know, maybe they're not ready to buy. Maybe they haven't decided on a solution yet, but they're open to something new, but they need to take some convincing that it's the right step for them and it's the right time. Well, in recruiting, this is what we'd consider the passive job seekers. So those people, you need to you need to take them on a few dates first before they're going to marry you. You know what I mean? Like you need to be in front of them, you know, show them different messaging, try to relate to them. And then they might be ready to buy in the future or those job seekers might be ready to make a move in the future. Once they just have a little bit more information and decide like it's a good time for them to make that move. And most importantly, and we kind of, you know, alluded to this earlier is all of this is just a continual process. So, you know, marketing doesn't post one ad, send one email. It's a continuous cycle of emailing, posting on social media, creating new content, trying different messages and seeing what works. You know, recruiting can't just be putting out one social post for looking for texts or, you know, it's just an ongoing process and continually getting in front of job seekers. And I feel like that's something we practice internally too, right? Like it's not something we just preach and don't actually do. When it comes to our marketing efforts, I give the example of TikTok, maybe something that I wasn't overly familiar with, didn't really have a desire to be familiar with, but there were a lot of technicians out there and our marketing team did a fantastic job doing research on TikTok and the really how we land with technicians on that platform is really impressive. And it's not just that we're just relying on TikTok now, but it's a it's a really cool element to what we do. And I think that was that was so impressive from our marketing team standpoint to really keep pushing the boundaries of maybe even traditional marketing. And it it's helped our brand out a lot. Absolutely. And I, you know. I am one of those people, like, I am not going to jump on the latest marketing trend. Like, I like to let sink in, see what some other companies are doing. And I'm probably more hesitant than anyone. And shout out to Val on our team. She did some research. She gave a presentation to us and convinced, you know, convinced me, convinced us that, yeah, we need to try this and let's see what happens. And, you know, like Mark, our co-founder and CEO always says, like, the first step is the hardest. You just got to get out there and do it and try it and accept that it's not going to be perfect, but you're going to perfect it over time and it's going to get better. But I, I mean, I think it's impressive that our marketing team is out there on TikTok too, because some of the biggest marketing companies or like marketing solutions out there who are, you know, on top of marketing, on top of the trends, they have their account on TikTok. There's no videos yet. They're still waiting in the sidelines to be like, okay, how do we do this? And like, I think they're overthinking it now. I'm like, no, get out there, do it. <laughs> well, and I think that's, it's really important to have the right player on that aspect of the business, right? So if you yeah. don't have somebody that's as comfortable being on camera as Val is, it makes it a lot more challenging to put those videos out. And right. somewhere where I'm definitely not comfortable going in front of a camera and dancing or doing anything like that, she she embraces it and she's just really good at it. And we say the same thing when it comes to the execution of a plan in terms of a shop, that yeah. finding that right player in the shop is so important to kind of drive progress. And one of our rules on the Wrenchway side is we don't allow the service manager to be the one in charge of that because they're putting out fires. They're not, you know, they're not able from a time standpoint to really be able to embrace it and do the things. And I think, you know, when we look at it from our own internal marketing team, I think the same thing plays there as well. Absolutely. You know, if, if I would have been put in charge of you know, launching this TikTok thing, it would have failed. There's just, you know, the, I pulled in too many different directions that it could have been successful, but you need someone who's not only willing to own it, but you need someone like, who's not afraid to try it too. Like Val wasn't, you know, she 
she wasn't excited to get in front of the camera at first. I'm sure she wasn't, you know, but she just did it. She's a little uncomfortable. And now you can see like, she's more comfortable with it. And she, you just have to do it. That's the hardest part. Just, just get out there and do the first one. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about some things that shops can actively implement in uh, a marketing plan as it relates to uh, recruiting. And one of the things that I say a lot is so many shops and, and dealerships really market to the end user. They're trying to get more business in the door. Yet when we talk to the other side of the business where they're, they're saying, okay, yeah, we, we've got all the business we can handle. We, you know, we can't take any more customers in. And so my thought all the time is I, I think you're marketing to the wrong people. Like you, you should be marketing to technicians. So when, when we take that and we take a deep dive into it, what are maybe some tips that you would give to a shop that really wants to dive into this and, and do a better job at it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, of course, it's important to bring more customers into your shop and that should be your marketing focus. But like you said, like the technicians, I mean, without the technicians, you can't take care of the customers. So you've got to incorporate that into your marketing recruiting strategy, obviously. But I, I mean, first and foremost, you got to start with the basics here and don't be a shitty shop. (laughs) You know, nobody wants to work for a crappy place that like, I mean, the best marketing recruiting in the world is not going to sell a crappy product. So you can have the best recruiting strategy, attract all the techs, but if you're a crappy shop, they're going to want to work there. You know, I've heard you talk about this up and down. You could probably, you know, give some insights to that. Yeah, I, I think it's not only being that, right? Like, I, I think we've worked with a number of shops, I mean, thousands of shops across the U.S. at this point, and if not tens of thousands of shops, and you can tell a, a glaring difference between the really good ones and maybe the not so good ones. And I think one of the best pieces of advice I could give a shop is to be realistic of where you fall on that spectrum. You know, if, if you think you're a really good shop, but then you take a deep dive and and look at your shop truly, and you're looking at, you know, everything from that work environment, is it a good place to work at? Are the people nice? You know, I think the, one of our rules internally at Wrenchway is the no asshole rule. And I think that's really important that you just, you know, if you have a bunch of people working together that hate each other, that's not going to work very well that, you know, we talk about culture all the time. And that's exactly what we're talking about is, you know, if if they're not all rowing in the same direction, meaning the team, you're going to have a lot of difficulties trying to, to get the needle to move. And, and then you're going to have trouble bringing in new people on top of that. And so not only not being a shitty shop to start with, but then also not representing something other than who you are. And I think that's something that in my discussions with technicians is heartbreaking because they'll sign up to go work for a shop. The shop promises them the world. They get there and it's not anything like they, they were sold, right? It was, it was not, you know, this nice environment like they were sold. Maybe the pay wasn't exactly aligned with what they were told. And I never get that from a shop standpoint, because if you pull somebody in that way, they're not going to stay like that tech's not going to stay. There's millions of jobs out there. It feels like, and, and if you're not upfront about who you are, it doesn't matter. Like all, like all the stuff we're talking about doesn't matter. You have to be a good place to work and then you have to be accurately reflecting who you are and and why you're a good place to work. Absolutely. And I think to take that, you know, a step further, even, I mean, don't be a shitty shop. Yes. But like even the great shops, a lot of them that I find in talking to, they, they don't realize what makes them great. Like shops need to sit down and take the time to talk about what they're doing and realize, okay, that's pretty cool. We need to make sure we're promoting that, that we do that. It's funny because I interview a lot of our clients and I talk to them about what they do internally and stuff. And sometimes I'll be talking about something and they don't even realize like, that's a <laughs> that's cool, cool thing. I'm like, wait, you work with students. How can you tell me a bit more about that? Like, wait, you need to put that on your top shop page. Like, oh yeah. You know, like, so sometimes it just takes like having that conversation and talking about what you do and realizing, wow, yeah, that is really cool. We should be show- telling text that because that makes them look like an attractive shop. Like, realizing the unique things you do and getting that message out there is just as important. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, in my conversations with shops, 
they they do such a poor job at understanding what they're great at. And that then puts them in the bucket of saying the same thing that everybody else is saying. And it really makes it hard to differentiate yourself. If you're just saying that, you know, we talk about it in job descriptions, it's really hard to go out into a job description, put everything that's great about you. You can only use a paragraph or, but you know, teaching these shops to be able to understand and open their minds to why they're great and why they're different than every other shop out there. Sometimes that's really tough. Sometimes some shops open up right away and like, oh yeah, we do that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And I mean, it's I'm a prime example. Like I hate talking about myself. I'm not one to brag. Like sometimes maybe it just takes talking to someone outside of the shop and just having a conversation with them because, you know, they're outside of it. They're a little bit more objective objectives so then as you're talking you know as you're talking about the things you do in your shop they can point it out and be like hey that's cool that's something that you need to talk about maybe it just takes that outside perspective too yeah I, you know you think about it exit interviews would be a great opportunity for that yeah. if you're doing an exit interview somebody's leaving your company ask the question about what they liked about the company and try to pick out some things in there that might be different than other shops. You know, I think when you open your mind to the opportunities there are to, to really see what is different about you, something as easy as an exit interview, you can get a lot of information out of. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. What, what other tips do we have? I think another one, which we've kind of already touched on, but don't just rely on one channel is an important thing for marketing. You know, we aren't, in marketing, we don't just do email marketing. We don't just do social media marketing. We don't just do ads. We do it all. And the same thing is true for recruiting. You know, they, of course, put out the ads, get those easy wins, the low hanging fruit of the people who are actually looking for jobs. But you need to be doing more to attract the passive job seekers. And that includes being everywhere. You should be looking at your own website. Of course, most of it is tailored to consumers, but there's a section of that website you can dedicate to attracting technicians as well. Social media, same thing. Like a lot of your messages is going to be for the consumers, but texts are on social media. Why wouldn't you take the opportunity to mix in some messages there that are going to attract them to your shop as well? Another one, I mean, we can't forget about word of mouth and referrals. It's yes. so impactful. You know, we on the marketing side work with a lot of partners, get a lot of referrals that way. And those are always great. Well, the same is true for recruiting, you know, talk to your current technicians. Who do they know? Like, can they share your content on social media? Because I'm sure they're friends with or connected with people they went to school with, tech school with, you know, their friends, other techs in the area. So then once they share that content, then their following is going to see it as well. And it has more credibility coming from an individual they know versus a brand that they aren't quite sure of yet. So I think it's kind of just not relying on one channel and using all of them in order to get your message out there. On that note, you can't always be using the same message either. You know, if you just, if I'm as a marketer, just putting out there, you know, become a Wrenchway Top Shop, you know, well, okay, what? That's not going <laughs> to always sell it. You know, maybe it might, but you know, same for recruiting. It can't always be, hey, we're hiring. A lot of it needs to be kind of softer, so to speak. So maybe it's videos of new equipment you got in the shop that's going to attract technicians and they'll see like, wait, that's really cool. You know, I wish I could use that. That would make my job a lot easier. Or maybe it's your technicians talking about why they love to work there or, you know, their favorite things about working there. Those kind of things help attract technicians and they see you know, they might see one message and then they might see another message and it all starts to add up and hit home. And then they might consider actually applying to your shop down the road. So it's important to kind of like mix up those messages as well. I feel like that's when you've done a good job at employer branding too. You know, I think at times that can be kind of a buzzword, if you will, but it's really important. If you're just going for the ask all the time, you're not going to pull much of anything in and people really don't know a lot about you, so they don't know what they're signing up for. And I just think, I, I feel like when you're putting that content out there, and one, if you're, if you're creating the content, it makes it far easier to share and share different stuff than if you're just putting that hiring ad out, right? If, if you're able to create video content, and it doesn't have to be crazy content. Like if you, if you just pull out your iPhone and video somebody and say, hey, you know, talk to me about what you're doing today and give me an update on this project or you know i i say it all the time i think the beauty in our industry is that we've got new content rolling in the door every day and mm -hmm. i think we're almost jealous of that from our standpoint because we don't we work in an office but if we had that shop atmosphere 
I think that's something I would take pretty darn seriously because that can it, it'll bring you more customers. It'll bring you technicians that have heard about you. And then when you do go to ask for that, you know, you're you're asking for somebody to share the message that you're looking for a technician, or you're looking for uh, those technicians to spread the word that they're open to it. Like they're they're you know, it's not it's not just saying hey we're hiring every week on the same channel. It's content and good content. Yeah, and I think you touched on something that's extremely important for us to talk about a little bit more, which is it doesn't have to be fancy and it shouldn't be fancy. Yeah. We This is the perfect time to build content because people want authentic, real content. They don't want the overly produced marketing videos, not to like rip on my profession <laughs> or whatever, but like they don't want it scripted. You like, they want the real stuff. They want the stuff shot with an iPhone. That's a little rough around the edges. Like they want technicians just talking. They don't want them reading off the script. Like, and that's so easy to create. You Like you said, you just pull out an iPhone. That's all we use for the majority of our content. Like, you just pull out an iPhone and that's all you need. Yeah. And and I feel like that's the new word of mouth, right? In the past, word of mouth was, you know, hey, my buddy Jimmy's looking and that can still be a great avenue. But the new, I guess, with the way social media has evolved and just the online space in general, it's changed the way word of mouth is. Like it, it is different now. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's it is interesting how it has changed things. Like we were just talking in the office yesterday about rugs, actually. Um, we were talking about like the, the certain brand of rugs. And we're like, oh yeah, I saw, you know, someone brought it up. Like, oh, I got one of these and I really like it. And I'm like, I've seen friends post about that on social media and come to think of it. I saw an ad for that a while back. And next thing you know, a couple months down the line, I'm sitting there Googling this company and considering <laughs> buying this rug. Like it's the same thing. Like, you, you put out a couple videos here and there, and really what you're trying to do with this content is give potential applicants a view of what the culture is like inside your shop. Give them kind of that inside look of, hey, this is kind of how we operate. This is what it looks like. This is the feel for it. Like Then they get an idea of if they're going to fit there. And the best part of that that we didn't even talk about yet is once they have that inside view and once it gets to the point that they actually apply and come in an interview, they're more likely going to be a good fit and it's more likely going to be someone that you're going to hire. So you're wasting less time in the hiring process by putting all that information out there ahead of time because they already are pretty confident they're going to be a good fit by the time they apply and come in. Yeah, I I agree. And I, that kind of, I want to segue to maybe one of the, one of the biggest errors that I see shops make which is they they'll hire somebody and then they'll stop doing everything, you know, from a marketing recruiting standpoint. And I, I feel like that's a really direct correlation between recruiting and marketing because the same goes with marketing. If you just put one piece out and then don't do anything else, the marketing's not going to be effective at all. Like if you if you put a hundred dollars out on Facebook or a hundred dollars out on Google and are disappointed by the results and you just don't keep going with it you're going to have a tough time because you like, that's how you learn too. That's how you learn different things. But it also is, you know, we saw that on the recruiting side where somebody hires a person, an individual, a technician, and then stops doing any of this other stuff that we're talking about, stops doing the employer branding. And that is such a, such a issue with shops. They've got to fix this, don't they? Yeah, completely. I mean, I think that touches on a couple of important things. And one, I mean, take care of your people. So in marketing, we aren't just marketing to, you know, people who aren't customers yet. It continues after, you know, they buy as well. And this thing should be true for recruiting. You should always be almost like convincing your technicians that they did choose the right place. It's a continual thing because that all builds into your recruiting strategy and helps you get more people in the door as well. I totally just lost my second thought. I had another point. <laughs> well, it, like I'm sure it's something to do with the the continuity or the consistency in, in going with it. Right. Like I think you're right. You're absolutely right there where you, you've got to be reassuring to your team that's in that, Hey, we're the best place to work. Like and not have it be a load of BS, but have it actually be, you know, where people are thankful to work there. And, you know, once you do that, then I think you put that, that marketing play in, in, into effect where 
you are doing it consistently. You are doing, you know, little things. It doesn't have to be rocket science. You, you know, I think they hear us say this marketing plan and they get overwhelmed and that it's all of this, you know, oh my gosh, that's too much. I got too much going on, on my plate already. Well, you're not thinking it through enough because even though you've got enough on your plate, there might be somebody else in the shop that doesn't. And in being able to find that person who can execute consistently is so key when it comes to both the marketing to technicians and uh, the actual recruitment of them. Yeah, I completely agree. And that I do remember I was going to say now that you said that, <laughs> I was going to say, I want to touch on what. So, okay, yes, you find someone, you hire them, your team is full. Don't stop recruiting there is what I was going to say. You got to keep it going because you never know when a spot is going to open up that you're going to need to fill. And it's a lot easier to fill it if you've been kind of looking that whole time and it's done a fire drill, you know, I hear you say like, don't put out the fires, don't be reactive when it comes to recruiting, just always like be building relationships with technicians, with people out in the industry so that if something does happen, then, you know, you have a good amount of people to talk to that might be a good fit that you have that built relationship with. And that's important. And that does require, like you said, a a bit more strategic plan in place for recruiting. And I don't want to scare anyone off with that. On the marketing side, I always have like a rough plan in place. But at any time, I'm also willing to deviate from that plan. It just having kind of having some sort of a loose plan in place keeps everyone rowing in the same direction, keeps everyone aligned. We know that hiring technicians is a priority and we're all working towards that in some way or another. And it's okay to deviate from the plan you have for recruiting, but just know that that is a priority is what's important and holds you accountable for actually doing it. Now, I'm interested there because those of you that are listening that know Sarah know that she likes to be organized. Like everything's <laughs> got to be right and good. How, how do you lay that plan out? I mean, is it as easy as getting a, a Word doc out and typing it out and then setting reminders for yourself? Or how do you go about that? So when you've got that plan laid out that you know to revisit it and adjust where necessary? Definitely. Like you need a system in place and that system is going to look a little different for everybody. For me, I'm a total Excel nerd. So I like to lay it out (laughs) in Excel and that's what I kind of go off of. But yeah, it's, I lay it out like month by month, like, okay, here's, you know, it's February this month. What do we need to do on the marketing side? Like we should try to do a webinar. We should try to do X amount of blogs, you know? It can be the same thing on the recruiting side. It can be, okay, what do we, what do we want to do to attract technicians this month? All right. This month, let's create a video doing a shout out to an employee and put it on social media. And let's ask our employees to share that video. Maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's also, okay, let's take a look at our job description for technicians. Like, is everything still accurate here? How can we improve this to attract more people to our shop? It, it can be anything. For me, like I said, it's Excel, but I think writing it down is key because if it's not written down, then it's going to get lost in the mix. We're all busy for shops. A lot of times, you know, recruiting isn't their only job. It's going to get lost in the mix. You got to write it down. You got to look at it. You got to hold yourself accountable. You need to revisit it. However, that works for you. For me, it's Excel and Trello. (laughs) Yeah. Trello. I mean, you talk about tools that can help you stay organized. There's a lot of really like they're either free or very cheap resources that you can use to kind of keep you on point. And this might not even just be for marketing to technicians, but just in general, Trello, as far as kind of a project management type of board works really, really well. Right. And I mean, I don't want to, I don't want this to turn into a sale for our top shop program, but (laughs) our clients use an activity tracker, which I think is super cool. And that allows you to kind of pre-populate tasks. You can assign who's accountable for it, a deadline for it. You can write notes for it. And then there's a whole dashboard that shows you, okay, we got five things done this quarter. That's great. But we were going for eight, you know, whatever it is, but it's just a really easy, quick way to stay organized. And that, you know, that works for a lot of our clients and it doesn't have to be that way, but you know. No, that's a great point. And one thing I would add there is there is a definite difference in the effectiveness between the ones that use it and the ones that don't, right? And so the ones that are out there, they're being intentional with what they're doing. Yes, they might not do everything perfectly, but they're doing stuff. And every time they're doing something, they're learning something and they're prioritizing it where, you know, I think the the visibility of it is so impactful because 
if if it's not visible and it's just kind of in the background, it's just not going to happen. And I, I think having that plan laid out, I love our activity tracker. I am 100% biased, but the the difference between those that really actively use it and the ones that don't is pretty drastic. Absolutely. And I think that just goes to show you need a plan, you need a system in place. And if you do that, then it's going to be successful in some way. But I think that brings up another point I want to talk about as far as tips to shops. And it's, you know, once you're doing things, that's great, but make sure you're tracking and measuring how it works. You know, such a big part of marketing is just kind of, you know, trying new things. You aren't sure how it's going to work, but then looking at what the results are, tweaking it, and then optimizing it for whatever your goal is. So, you know, Maybe you one month try to put a video out there showing off new equipment in your shop. Okay, great. Look at how that performs. Next month, try two techs talking about why they like working there. Okay, how did that work compared to, you know, how many views does that one have versus this one? Did we get any applicants in this month? Did we get any last month? And the more you throw different stuff out there and compare it against each other, the more you're going to start to see how it works. I recently talked to one of our clients. It was Ron Marhofer Auto Family. Shout out to Rob. He's awesome over there. They're director of HR. Yes, he is. But yeah. they have one of the most viewed Topshop pages on Wrenchway. So I asked him, like, how do you do it? Like, what's your secret? You know, tell me your secret sauce. And he's like, we put stuff out there and we look at the results and see, okay, let's see this, this month we got this many applicants. Like I think people text like seeing this kind of content and they build off of it each month. And he said, it's, it's fun for his team to see that it's like trial and error. I mean, that's a lot of what marketing is too. try it, see if it works. Nope. Try something else, you know, and always try to improve that number. I was going to say the same thing right there. It sounds like you're talking about marketing, right? It, it doesn't yeah. even sound like recruiting. It sounds like right. you're doing the AB testing. You're, you're doing things to compare and contrast right. like what works, what doesn't work. And then the things that work, you can probably do those better, you know, as you move forward and the stuff that maybe doesn't work, maybe you can tweak it. So it does work, but it is kind of a constant effort to figure out, okay, what, what am I going to do here? That's different. That's going to, to trigger this. And then, you know, even with that, one thing I would ask is with marketing, how long do you go before you know it's working or not? Because I think a lot of people might start with, you know, we kind of touched on this earlier in the podcast, but I'm curious from a marketing standpoint, what length of time is a good time to give a marketing campaign to see if it's actually working or not? And I don't think there's an easy answer for that. I think before you throw something out there, you have to give yourself just a rough idea of like, okay, let's take a look at this in, I don't know, two weeks and just see how it's doing, you know? Give yourself like a time frame that you're always looking at something to see how it performs. But it's funny because especially with video, which we've talked a lot about here, you know, video is always out there. So it's going to gain traction over time. And it's funny because some of the videos like we've put out there after a month, it's like, oh, okay, you know, it's getting some views, which are better than nothing. So that's still good. But then you look at it a couple months later, like, well, that really took off. So there's no good answer. But the good thing about is if you're putting content out there, it's going to continue to build momentum. So it's always going to be doing well. But I think if you kind of give yourself a rough time frame, like in whatever that is, decide what it is. Maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's a month. They're like, okay, let's just revisit this in two weeks, a month, and just see how it's performing. Write that number down. The next video, photo, post, whatever it is. Okay, let's look at after a month. Let's compare the numbers. As long as you're comparing with the same amount of time, you'll get an idea of performance. And then maybe something will take off. If you're lucky, it'll go viral. That's the goal, right? Like, let's go viral, but it's <laughs> kind of a pipe dream, but we can hope. <laughs> well, and, and patience is so important in this whole process, right? And this is where I think when you're continually recruiting when you don't need people, it buys you patience because you don't need to make that first move on somebody and you can continually put that content out and you're not worried about, you know, you're not staying up at night thinking about, oh my gosh, I've got all these cars to get fixed in the morning and I don't have anybody to do the work. That's where I, th I mean, I can't emphasize this enough. This is where shops go wrong so often is they get discouraged. They stop doing something and it, it, it will negatively impact them for the future. And then when they do get full, they stop and they're, you know, kind of get fat and happy. And then all of a sudden 
Jimmy gets, you know, in a car accident and can't work for the next six months. Then you're stuck back being awake at night. And it's just kind of a vicious circle I see in our entire industry. And it's really frustrating. So, I, you know, I think I'm assuming on the marketing side, patience is pretty key as well. Like you, you can't just, you know, throw a blog post out and hope that everybody sees it and, and you're, you know, you're going to have tons of business coming in the door. It takes consistent effort and, and really that branding. Exactly. And I mean, I think shops are doing themselves a favor by taking that pressure off of themselves to only be recruiting when they need someone. If you're always doing it, it takes some of that weight off your shoulders because when you does come time that you do need someone, it's going to be less stressful because you've been recruiting the whole time. You've been putting content out there the whole time. You've been attracting people. You've been building relationships. So then when it comes time that you need someone, it's going to be easier than it would have been if you didn't do anything that whole time. And the same is true for marketing as well. And and I think a big piece to making this run and run efficiently and consistently is accountability. And I'm curious from, from your perspective, how important is accountability to this entire puzzle? It's everything. I mean, like you said, we've talked about like you need that point person to kind of own the process. We call it a champion. We always look for a champion with the shops that we work with, someone who's going to own that process, hold you know, their team accountable for always making recruiting a priority in the shop. Because without that person, without that accountability for the entire team, it's it's going to fall apart because we're all busy. We all have a ton of different priorities. But if you have that key person who's kind of keeping people focused on it, that's what's really going to make it successful. I agree. It's so important in any aspect of business. But when it comes to this, the execution, making sure that you're measuring what you're doing and the accountability piece is just, if that doesn't happen, it just, nothing's going to happen. And you're going to end up frustrated over and over and over again. And I challenge each shop that's listening to this to, whether you're a Top Shops customer or not, or Wrenchway customer or not, that you have that in place. And maybe you're lucky enough to have a marketing team where you can hold somebody accountable to getting views to your, your Top Shops page or to just create content. But you also have to hold that person accountable because oftentimes what I see is that they'll say, all right, we've got an intern or somebody that can do that. And then they don't think about it again for, you know, the accountability person doesn't think about it again for another two months. And then that person, the champion, if you will, really looks back and was like, well, we never talked about it. I didn't know what what I was supposed to be doing or, you know, it, it just kind of lets your mind be spaghetti. And if you can, if you can really revisit it consistently. It doesn't take an hour long conversation. It's five minutes of, Hey, how are we standing with this? It it helps drive activity, which is, I mean, at the end of the day, that's everything I, that it, if you don't have the accountability, the activity is not going to get done. And we've seen that yes. proven over and over and over again. Exactly. And we like to compare, I mean, compare it to new year's resolutions. If it helps like putting in place. My new year's resolution was just to be healthier this year. Okay. Well, it's one thing to say that. What, what am I doing to hold myself accountable and to stay focused with that? Well, you know, I'm tracking what I'm eating in an app. I'm exercising X number of times a week. I'm, you know, drinking less. I did dry January, but I'm putting differences. <laughs> Glad that's over. But now it's, you know, less February. February you know? <laughs> but you know what I mean? You put things in place and you just that hold yourself accountable. Like apps, mobile apps help me a lot. Or, you know, like I said, writing it down somewhere, using some sort of system to make your goals happen, to, you know, keep your priorities, your priorities, because life happens. And I get that, but, you know, well, and that's, you know, going back to the very first part of our conversation, that was one of the pieces that was so impactful for me when you joined our team was some of the accountability to me, right? Where, hey, Jay, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. And where my mind is kind of all over the place and I'm scatterbrained, you're on point and organized with everything. And that really keeps the ship moving forward, right? And I think, you know, even in this scenario, for me, having that person, that other person looking at it and whether it's content or, you know, all the stuff we do, we do a lot together. And there's there's some stuff that if you just don't do it consistently, it's not going to hit. We, we practice the same stuff that we're preaching here. And I think if people were to take that back, 
one, it doesn't have to be as complicated as they're making it. Like just simplify it, make sure it's executable, have people that will hold you accountable. So many of you have so many talented people in your shops that there's somebody in there that can keep you accountable and at least keep you looking at it as far as your progress and everything like that. So I, I think, you know, that's, and that's the importance of good team members too, right? Is, is being able to have people that aren't afraid to call you out if you're not doing your stuff. And I, you know, for that accountability person, I think that's, that's huge too. Just having somebody that's going to maybe call you out on, on your BS. Yeah. I completely agree with you. You know, you have, you your team all has their strengths. You know, when you look at our team, like I'm the hyper organized one. I like to keep people on track. I like to keep things moving. I'm very much like, I'm very, you know, type A. You're an ideas guy. you got a lot of ideas going on here. You're like, yes, I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do this. <laughs> and so I think us working together as a team in this podcast is the perfect example. You're kind of like, I want to do podcasts. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like we have no, no idea how to do this. Out every week. And I'm like, that seems like a lot. I'm like, okay, we can do this, you know, and together we steer the ship and we make it happen. You know, everyone on your team has different strengths and then, you know, you got to build off of that. Well, and as we end the podcast here, a couple things I want to give you a shout out. Our annual Tech Mission event just keeps growing every year. In the fall of every year, we do this event where we have roundtables and we're just talking about how to make the industry better. You're really the the brains and the driver behind all of that. And I one, I really appreciate everything you've done there. But it is cool to take something from like concept to actual execution and you've you've done that phenomenally with that with the podcast with a lot of the content that we've done out there in general so i i wish everybody in the in the world had a sarah on their team it would make life much much easier for everybody but we we genuinely appreciate everything you do for us here at wrenchway well thank you i appreciate it and we just we have a great team in general on wrenchway that it it makes what i do easier and more fun too honestly yeah and hopefully you're having to put less around me to keep me on on track but i don't think that's the case i think I, i'll always need the kind of those guardrails to make sure that i'm i'm somewhere in the middle yeah, a little bit but you got better <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you for joining us if there is somebody that wants to reach out to you maybe talk about their marketing strategy for uh their business as it relates to recruiting technicians how, how do they get in touch with you Yes, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. My name is Sarah Kerwin. Sarah without an H, Kerwin. Oh, yeah. I know, important to differentiate <laughs> that with us 80s babies. But also you can email me. It's sara at wrenchway.com. Please do not hesitate to reach out. I, I love talking to people in the industry about anything and everything. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. It certainly will not be your last podcast. I'll make sure of that. But you you did great and, and we appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jay.